0: to Matthew chapter 4 this morning we are continuing our study of the gospel of Matthew and if you've been with us we began of course with the birth of Jesus then we looked at his baptism by John then last week we followed our savior as he entered into the wilderness to be tempted and we learned how we too can find strength and help and resist the temptations of the devil. Today we're going to follow the footsteps of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew as he begins his public ministry. Follow along as I read, starting at Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt at Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, and in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Father, we bow in your presence this morning and thank you for our Savior, Jesus, who, when he was here on the earth, he preached, he taught, he healed. I pray that today, Father, as we follow his footsteps through this passage in Matthew, that, Lord, you would help us to learn from His example. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at Jesus beginning His ministry here in Matthew chapter 4, let's notice the location of this ministry in verses 12 through 17. The first thing that we encounter here is that John the Baptist is arrested, the arrest of John the Baptist. Now, according to the other Gospels and according to a chronology, the estimate, the imprisonment of John took place 12 months before Jesus began be, after, 12 months after his baptism, let's put it that way. So where was Jesus? Uh, he began his ministry 12 months after he got baptized. So M- Matthew only records his Galilean ministry and from then on. But if you would go to the Gospel of John in chapter one you'll find that Jesus had a ministry in Judea, in Jerusalem, and then when John died, he left there and he began his Galilean ministry. Now, what had happened was here, in, as John died, he had got a stir. John the Baptist created quite a stir with all the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of his day, and they hated him. They had they, they envied him because he drew crowds and, of course, it drew crowds away from their religious domination. And so they were upset with John. And, of course, John got in trouble with Herod and, and uh, he was put to death. Jesus had a ministry in Judea. But after John the Baptist died, he figured he better leave so that he could reach more open people. So when Jesus left... He went to Nazareth first. He went to Nazareth, and as it says there in, in verse um, thirteen, and leaving Nazareth, he had to leave Nazareth. Nazareth, of course, was his hometown. And he got there, and the people that he had been around when he grew up, they didn't have, they rejected him. They did not believe him. Well, Jill, that's Jesus. He's he's the carpenter's son we don't need to listen to him. As a matter of fact, his life was even in danger. So he left Nazareth, and when he left Nazareth, he came down to the area of Galilee, the Galilee of the Gentiles. Now, uh, here, the people spoke Aramaic like they did in all the, the whole region, but they spoke it with a little twang, like some of you people that... Uh, <laughs> speak English, but some of you have that distinctive, uh, I can tell when I'm talking to someone from the South, uh, they have a little slowness about, now I have, I'm not as good as some people, they can tell if you're a Mississippi Southerner, or if you're a Virginia Southerner, or if you're a Central Florida Southerner, but I guess there's different states have different, and then some of you, I can barely understand, those are usually from Boston, you know, I could barely understand those people at all. They speak the language. And I, I met some people that had an East Coast accent They're from Maine. Maniacs is what they call themselves. And there's some people here that have a Texas accent, too. It's kind of a sugar-sweet drawl type of thing. And, and there's some from Minnesota, and there's some from Wisconsin, and there's people here from all different parts of the world there's uh, Ireland and, and Switzerland and Germany and Italy and they always speak with a different and that's where Galilee was as a matter of fact when the disciples were in Jerusalem the people there hey I know that guy he's he's a Galilean I can hear it by the way he talks and that's the way they spoke in Galilee they had a little bit of a twist in there well Jesus came from Nazareth, and He settled in a town on the west side of the Sea of Galilee called Capernaum. Now, it says that in, in these verses of Scripture. In verse 13, He dwelt in Capernaum. Uh, people feel that He had spent, Bible scholars say that He spent about two years, the majority of His ministry, He lived out of Capernaum. Now, of course, he didn't just stay there. He, he traveled different places, but that's where his home base was, where he could make excursions in a very easy way. He came and dwelt in Capernaum. Now, the Bible says that he did this in fulfillment of prophecy. In the region that is there, it says in verse 14 that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness, have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region, the shadow of death, light is dawned. In other words, Isaiah predicted that Messiah would spend time in Galilee. And of course, Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. The the region of Naphtali and the region of uh, Zebulon, those are two of the tribes of Israel that happened to settle in that. And Of course, the tribe differences uh, kind of faded out, but it was still in Galilee. Galilee was a predominantly Gentile area. Now, Jesus ministered to the Jews, but there were so many Gentiles in the area that they called it... uh, the, the way of the Gentiles, or it was the land of the Gentiles because it was close to the area which was Phoenicia back in Bible times. And that was a Gentile-saturated society. So he, it says that they walked in darkness. That was what the Old Testament Scripture said. And then when it was fulfilled in in Matthew, they sat in darkness, showing that spiritual realities had faded over the time, and they not only walked, now they were sitting in darkness. And it could be because they were so far away from the central religious teaching in Judea and in Jerusalem, and they were way out in Galilee where they were just kind of rough. They were kind of um, uh, not spiritually taught. The teaching wasn't there, and that's where Jesus went. He walked to the people who were sitting in darkness. Folks, I know it's fun to minister where everybody agrees with you. It's fun to minister in a church like this where people say amen and, and you get to teach there. But I believe God has also called us to take the light of the gospel to the people who are sitting in darkness. I'm not just talking about the dark. Uh, paganism of different countries i'm talking about the darkness of spe- of people's hearts where they're lost where where the gospel needs to be seen in different places perhaps you live or work or or you know of an area that is devoid of spiritual light that's where god wants us to take the gospel wherever that is And we need to do that. We need to pierce the darkness with the gospel. As God gives us opportunity, we need to do that. Just like Jesus did. He went to Galilee because those people were receptive to the light. Notice also the second part here, the calling of his first disciples in verses 18 to 22. In this passage, we see that there's two sets of brothers. Of course, there's Peter and Andrew, and then there's James and John. Now, these guys were followers of John the Baptist. We read that in John chapter 1. Many of his disciples were followers of John the Baptist. And John, when he was ministering, saw Jesus coming and said, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Here in Matthew, these disciples already knew Jesus. They they were already believers. Here we have a call of discipleship, not a call to salvation. This is, first of all, a personal call. I can imagine Jesus going up to Peter and Andrew and looking at them, and and they had that recognition, and He says, Peter, or He said, Andrew, or James, John, I want you. I've singled you out. Follow me. Salvation is a personal decision, my friend. It's not just joining a club or being a part of a group. It's how the Lord Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, convicts us in our heart. And it's like the Word of God speaks to us. God so loved you individually. And the Spirit of God and Jesus Himself is calling you to follow Him. It's a personal call, but also... We find that it's a call to service. You see, they had already been brought into the family of God by faith. This call, when Jesus says, follow me, is a call to serve him. Sometimes that happens at the same time you get saved. You, you just, after you get saved, you spend the rest of your life serving the Lord. But sometimes it's, it's a, a decision that comes a little bit later on in life. But somehow God impresses upon you that your life is not your own, and you need to spend it serving him in some capacity. His name was Timothy Stackpole. He was a New York firefighter who was severely burned in a 1998 fire. After he recovered, he returned to the force despite the advice of some friends and family and the fact that he could retire comfortably. But he wanted, he wanted to get back into the service of fighting fires. He was a great firefighter and passionate about the work and was soon promoted to captain. And Timothy was one of those firefighters that ran into the second tower to try to save some people when the Twin Towers were hit by the planes. When he did, it collapsed and took his life. But he knew his calling was to save people. I believe that God has called us to serve Him. Now, sometimes that is a call to full-time ministry. I remember when I was 20 years old, I was working at a pallet company in Iowa, and I was reading my New Testament at break and had the Psalms back there, and God used His Word to just say, I want you to preach the gospel. I didn't know exactly where that was going to be and how that was going to happen, but God called me. And you know, I I realize that I'm speaking to people mainly that are seniors, but there's some here that perhaps God, through His Holy Spirit, is saying to you, leave your nets, follow me. I want you to fish for men. There's nothing more exciting than to follow the Savior, doing His will. Some of you, maybe God is speaking to your heart that this needs to be a uh, an occupation where you're preaching and teaching the Word of God. But for the rest of you, maybe God is getting you involved in serving Him in some capacity. It was a call to service. It was a, also a call to fishing. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. I heard a story one time when a guy was uh, down and fishing at a, uh, a creek, down below, and there was a guy walking across the bridge, watching him. And the guy on the bridge said, doing any good? The curious individual on the bridge said, any good, answered the fisherman. In the creek below, why, I caught 40 bass out of here yesterday. The guy on the bridge said, hey, do you know who I am? Fisherman replied, no, I don't know who you are. Well, I'm the game warden here. (laughs) Well, the guy thought quickly, and he said, sir, do you know who I am? I'm the biggest liar in eastern Indiana. <laughs> fishing is fun. I, I love to go fishing. I was fishing Friday. My wife kicked me out of the house. She was tired of having me around, taking care of this. No, she was actually being compassionate, saying I, I need to get a break. So I went fishing. I was sitting there in Alligator Creek, had my pole there, had my book out. was reading the book and I hadn't caught a bite for an hour. I was just sitting, not even nothing. So I was just reading my book. All of a sudden, I heard a whoosh, whoosh, what's gone? My pole's gone. It just, it just took off. It flew out of, out of my thing, and it, I, I watched it. It was going. It was going down the creek. I said, and I don't know if you've ever had one of these temporary moments of insanity, when you actually thought of jumping in for it. <laughs> I had that briefly, but common sense got a hold of me. (laughs) And I just said, goodbye, pole. I just bought that at Walmart a week before, you know. (laughs) There goes my brand new pole. Haven't even changed the hook or anything on that. Fishing is fun. And those, those disciples, that was their main occupation. But Jesus is calling to them to a different kind of fishing. Fishing for men. I wonder why Jesus used that term. Well, there's a lot of things that I've learned about fishing over the years that is very similar to the work of the ministry. The first thing, it is hard work. I mean, if you are a commercial fisherman, and if you have a net, that thing is, is not like sitting on the bank with a pole. This is constant throwing out and constant rowing and constant hard physical work, and the work of the ministry is not easy. It also requires patience. I mean, if, uh, I, uh, one guy that I loved him, he's gone to glory now. He was uh, uh, Ken Whistle, let me tell you. He, he says he's not a fisherman, he's a catcherman. As long as he's catching, he's happy. If he's not catching anything, he's not there. You know, you have to be patient. You have to be patient if you're going to be a a fisherman. There's going to be times when you get skunked. There's nothing, and that's the work of the ministry. Sometimes there's a a whole 153 fish in the net, and you're just straining it, and then there's some, some that you just don't have any success, but you keep on being faithful, and you're patient because God's going to do it. I learned something else about fishing. You have to You have to stay out of sight the article I wrote in the in the bulletin is uh, an incident happened on January 1st when I was kayaking and I pulled on this little island and these two guys Brazilian guys uh, were out fishing with a cast net and they were out there trying to catch these mullet the mullet were jumping all around there was hundreds and all all swimming all around them but as they were walking out in the water The mullet saw what they were doing, and they they just avoided that net, everything. And I learned, uh, let me tell you the rest of the story. They came back to the shore, and they got on their phone, and they looked at a YouTube video, (laughs) how to cast a cast net. (laughs) And it it came out a little bit better, but they still didn't catch any fish, (laughs) Until I prayed for him, You know, it's amazing. I, I was getting ready to leave. I had the kayak and I was just pulling past. I said, Lord, let these two Portuguese-speaking guys catch a mullet. And as soon as I said amen, they screamed. And three mullet. God put them in their net for them. And I talked to them. That's a true story. It's not a fish story. I mean, it's a true story <laughs> that it actually happened. <laughs> but I learned something. If you're going to fish you got to stay out of sight. And that's the way with the ministry, too. It can't be all about you. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. You need to hide from view and let Christ be seen, and people will be attracted to the Savior. Something else about fishing, you you shouldn't be afraid of getting a little dirty. If you think that... uh, my wife, she, I love her, but she doesn't want me to bring the fish in the house until they've, after they've been filleted and I've gone outside and cleaned them. But you can't help get a little fish smell on your clothes if you're fishing. You've got to get dirty. And if you own a boat, you can't keep that boat pristine clean. You know, if you get something that slimes, you know, like a, a, a catfish, or uh, some of those uh, eels. I don't even bring eels in the boat, though. <laughs> they're going to slime up the boat. And the same is true. You know, you. If we're trying to reach people, you got to expect to get a little messy. Especially when you're trying to reach children. You know, they're 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 not going to be clean. They're going to be a little noisy. They're going to be leaving papers on the floor and. You know, your boat's going to get a little dirty when you're trying to reach people. But that's what fishing for men is all about. And also, you shouldn't be afraid of inclement weather. You know, if you're a fair-weather fisherman, you're not going to catch anything. The fish bite when it's cloudy and nasty and all of that. And sometimes when you're reaching people for the gospel, it's not going to be favorable situations. But you need to be fishers of men my favorite picture I have in my study is a very cloudy day. The guys, there's two guys in a boat. They got a, a fishing a rain cap on. The nasty weather. The waves are coming, and they're pulling in a net full of fish. And that's the way fishing for people is not always going to be sunshine, it's not always going to be pleasant, but you're out there doing the work for the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Have you done any fishing lately? Have you tried to reach people with the gospel? Have you given out tracts? Have you invited people to church? Have you talked to them about your testimony? Invited them to a concert? All of us need to be involved in the fishing business. After all, someone says, if you're not fishing, you're not following. That's part of it. It's also a call to obedience. Notice what Jesus said, or what they, the the response was after he said, Follow me, verse 20, they immediately left their nets, immediately and followed him, verse 22, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. That's what it involves. If, If we're going to be His disciples, we've got to obey Him. We've got to listen to Him. Jesus begins His ministry by going to Galilee and calling His first disciples. And and now let's look at the threefold aspect of Jesus' ministry in verses 23 to 25. Three things that He was involved in. The first one is teaching in the synagogues. As you see there in in verse uh, 23, And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, teaching in their synagogues. He, the word teach is very, very important. Teach and teacher is something that was associated with Jesus all through his life. And our Lord is reminding that the gospel proposes to instruct and to enlighten men in their ignorance of spiritual things giving both information as to the facts and instructions in the principles of the Word of God. And Jesus taught. He taught in the synagogues. What is a synagogue anyway? Well, synagogues probably got their start during the Babylonian captivity when the Jews were away from the temple and they were there, and there was no way to worship God. There was no place to go. So they established groups in different towns in the Babylon area and so that they could gather to worship and read the Torah and be involved to keep their faith going. And the synagogues continued in Jesus' day, uh, especially being from Galilee. They, they wouldn't ever get to Jerusalem maybe once a year, but they needed religious instruction, and they would teach, and they would... Uh, they would have their aspects of their, um, their, their religious service there, and he would do that. And then even especially came into view after the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70. And uh, that's when the synagogues became more and more popular. Even in the book of Acts, when we read of the disciples going from, they chose to go to the synagogues to teach because that's where the Jews were gathering and teach them that is not involved, not just necessarily in teaching. Jesus' second aspect of his ministry was preaching the good news of the kingdom. Just like John the Baptist started out his ministry by saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus also preached, and preaching is different than teaching. Preaching is a, is a method that, that appeals to the emotions to make a decision to follow the Lord, to do what God's Word says. It's an appeal. It's an appeal. Preaching the gospel. And the early disciples, Peter was, and Paul, preached the gospel. And Paul says, by the foolishness of preaching, he saves some. And God still has no other program today except preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're doing. We're preaching the gospel. We we appeal to people to be saved. We give the, the gospel story in different venues, in different ways, through tracks, through websites, through concerts. We preach the gospel that Jesus Christ loves you and He died on the cross for you. You need to make a decision. Let me ask you this morning before we go any further, have you made that decision? Has there been a time in your life when you repented of your sin? Folks, it's it's not because you're surrounded by Christians. You have got to make a decision yourself. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross, and I ask you, God, to forgive me of my sin. Wash away all my sin. I believe in you. That's what being saved is all about, preaching. That's what Jesus did. That's what we need to be doing, teaching and preaching. But I'd like to introduce to you the third aspect of his ministry, and, and that is in verse 23, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. And then it gives some of the things that he healed from in verse 24. The sick people who were afflicted with various diseases, he went to them and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. He went to people who were broken, who were physically sick, were lame, were blind, were possessed with devils, all different kinds of broken people. Jesus went to them and he healed them. We don't have anyone today that has the kind of healing that Jesus had. There's no one here has that. That healing, God still heals through prayer, but there's no gift of healing like Jesus had. If there would be someone, I would have them come to church. I'd have them go up and down these aisles and touch the people that are there that's struggling with cancer and heal them. I'd have people that are in wheelchairs get up and walk because they had that gift but there's no one like Jesus and the disciples that had that gift. I'd have them go across to the life care center, go into every room and and heal them if they had that gift. But say, well, Pastor, if we don't have that, what can we do? I believe that we need to have the same kind of ministry to Jesus because we care for people who are hurting The church needs to be preaching the gospel. The church needs to be teaching the word of God. And the church needs to be caring for the broken, the battered, the faint, those that are abused, those that are uh, outcast of society. And we need to be doing what Jesus, going to them and giving them the help and the healing and the care that they need. Oh, my friend, three applications. First of all, are you willing to leave your net and follow Jesus. What that means is simply says you're you're focused on you. You're focused on catching a living, doing everything that your life entails. Are you willing to leave whatever it is and follow Jesus? Follow Him. Second application. Have you been doing any fishing lately? (laughs) Not like me, but like Jesus. Fishing for men. Have you given out any tracks? Have you talked to anybody about the Lord? Have you invited some people? You can fish at a lot of different bridges, you know? God calls us to be fishers of men. And finally, are we willing to minister to people in the middle of their broken lives? Are we willing to care like Jesus did? I wish I had that gift. I wish I had that gift of healing that I could just touch your body and heal it, but I don't have that. But we can touch them with our compassion, with our finances, with our help, because we love like Jesus loved. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I come into your presence today and I pray that, Father, if there's one that's here that Jesus is coming right up to today through the conviction of the Holy Spirit And he's addressing them by name, and he's saying, follow me. Follow me. I pray that, God, your mighty, powerful Holy Spirit would work in someone's heart today. And may they leave their net, their boat, and their family and follow Jesus. Oh, God, I pray that if your spirit is working in hearts, God, may that heart be ready to say, yes, Lord. I'm gonna leave everything and follow you. I pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song. If God's Spirit spoke to you, you come as we sing. I wonder. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been calling you. Maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've done something that dishonors the Lord. Oh, I want to tell you, we serve the God of a second chance that can forgive us, that can heal us, and get us back on track. All it takes, all it takes is just a prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.